from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio at the Gas South Convention Center in Duluth, Georgia, welcome to Celebrating Powerhouse Women, proudly presented by NEMA and Sourced. And welcome back, friends, to another exciting episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women. As you know, this is the series that salutes and recognizes women leaders making an impact. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce our guest, Christine Martinello. She is the CEO of Training Solutions International and the founder of the Love Box Foundation. Welcome to the show, Christine. It's a joy to be with you. And hello, powerhouse sisters. Powerhouse sisters. <laughs> I love that term. I might adopt it if that's okay with you. Feel free. Well, I am just so filled with love and having you today and for our, our audience, they'll be able to see the, the love box in the photos because it is um, just beaming in the room. Why don't you just share a little bit about the mission behind the love box with our listeners? Sure. The love box is all about spreading love, and we do that in three different ways. First of all, we have love box experiences, and that's all about spreading love with writing love notes. And the love box tradition actually is where each person writes a love note to everyone else in a group or a classroom or a business forum. Everyone writes a love note to everyone else. You put them all in the box. Then you pass the box around, you pull one out, and you read it out loud. So it is a whole group experience of love where everybody is uh, you know, expressing their love in writing, listening to it. And I always say it's like feeling the magic of love. It's like this beautiful expression of love and everyone feels appreciated and uplifted and inspired that they are seen, heard and loved. It is. It's really like a, a warm hug. And just to give our listeners a little bit of history about you and I, we originally con connected online, the power of social media. Mm -hmm. And then we ran into each other in person at a SCORE event last year supporting a mutual friend of ours, T Tiffany Crumans. And when I got to see you and meet you in person, and then I put the two and two together, when we embraced and you, you gave me one of your, your special <laughs> books here, The Love Movement, I could feel the connection then. And you and I just had a brief exchange of words, and then I reached out to you thereafter. But you truly embody your mission, and you spread that freely. So to kind of more clearly define the type of love that we're talking about for someone out there that's listening saying, I don't want to read any love notes to my colleagues. <laughs> it doesn't all have to be ushy-gushy, right? right? So give us an example of some of the things that people might write. Yeah, you know, people write whatever is in their heart. And so in schools... Typically what people do and students do is that they write what they appreciate about somebody else or how they're a gift for them and what they're thankful for about them. So if the word love creeps somebody out, which I know in business, you know, it's been so male dominated um, that love is not something we talk about. But I actually talk a lot about leading with love and it is really good for business. I mean, people that feel appreciated, seen, heard, and valued are much more productive, and they stay in organizations longer. So it has great relevance to lead with love. And so, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, how is that person a gift to you? You know, how have they helped you? How have you helped them? What traits do you see in them that are just unique? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just really seeing and hearing other people, and then it's bringing that love together and supporting each other. And for somebody that's just like, I don't know about this in my business, you know, when you do it once, you'll say, I really love this, you know? And what we have found is that mostly women-owned businesses have been the one to initially embrace it. Um, and then I have to tell you, men write some of the best <laughs> love notes. Um, so everyone can do it, and it will uplift everyone. 
That's amazing. And one of the things that I, I found so just wonderful about it is the fact that you can look back, like maybe you're having a down day. You can open the love box and you can read inspirational messages from people that think the world of you. Right. And it's meant to be, initially, it was meant to be our family's sacred tradition. And so with that, you know, now I have a love box. We started it in 1999. So I have a love box of 20 plus years uh-huh. of love notes from all my children, from coworkers, from people in the communities in which we live. And so, you know, to be able to have that and read it over and over again in our, it is such a special treasured gift. And now what's really unique is that people use it really from birth to death. And so for as a celebration of life, even Mm -hmm. a lot of businesses use it for that. It gives them a really beautiful opportunity to bring love and to recognize that person. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been really beautiful to see how, you know, we can infuse love in every situation with the love box, if we have the courage to do that, because it does take courage to express your love. It does take courage to, uh, you know, do something out of the box. Out of the box. You know? <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Well, take us back to where the idea was born and bred. So you keep referencing one that you did with your family first. And as any entrepreneur knows, you know, like a soft rollout or like the first gen of something like that. So you were so kind and you actually brought it in and we have your family's um, box right here. Mm-hmm. So take us through how that it was kind of born. Sure. So I will take you back first to concept because concept started in 1999 and it really was, um, I was shopping getting ready for Christmas time with my three kids that were under the age of six at a time at the time. And I was looking at all the toys on the shelves, trying to scout out what is it that they want. And this thought literally like popped into my head and it was, what can I give my kids to show them how much I love them? And I went home that night and talked to my husband about it. And we just started talking about it. And we said, all right, we know we'll give them some gifts, but let's give the gift of love. And what that would be is like, let's give them love notes and we'll just read them out loud to them. Now, at the time, two of the kids didn't even write, right? They were like four and three. And so um, we asked them, what do you love about mom, dad, grandma, grandpa? Because we had our whole family together on Christmas Eve. So we created what we called our family love night. It was basically everyone saying loving things to each other, plus chocolate, (laughs) and candles because Uh those were some of the so as it has evolved we've done it every year since on Christmas Eve so that's how it started then we started doing it for birthdays too and then we started doing it for you know um, when the babies were born you know other people's friends I was like let me write let's write love notes about them so it kind of organically grew for about 15 years and people kept coming back to me and saying can you make the love box can you write a book about this? And I said, no, Um, until it became very apparent, um, because our family kept doing it. And then in 2013, um, that's the year that my son graduated from high school. And then three weeks prior to that, my dad had passed away. Mm. And what ended up happening was my son was going through all the stuff in his room, getting ready to go to college that, that summer. And he had all the love notes in one corner of his drawer. And so when he opened the drawer and I saw all the love notes, it just triggered for me that that was what showed him and everyone in our family how much we loved each other. So now fast forward to, okay, how did we create the product? So um, 
I didn't really want to create the product, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but so many people kept asking me to make it. And then what happened was one family did it that was of mixed religions. Mm-hmm. And the woman said, I will do whatever it takes to make this happen. You know, my husband's a business advisor. We'll give you whatever you need. And I thought, well... That's an offer I can't refuse. I don't so <laughs> I started it. And um, so it took about a year. We did a lot of market research because how do you create something from nothing? It was a concept. And I knew I wanted it to look spiritual, thus why it's gold. And the white is really clean. Um, so it started with the Christmas love box. Then it evolved that people said in market research, well, I want, a, I want a wedding love box. I want a baby love box. I want a military love box. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is so much bigger than what I thought. I was going to create and did the Christmas love box first. So now this year is our 10th year anniversary of the Christmas love box. So we started there and then started just researching more and more love and listening to the market, then created the original love box and then the love box um, so that it could be used like I said for every Anything. single occasion mm, that's so wonderful and thank you for my love box gift You're I can't welcome. wait um, <laughs> to write things with my husband and it's funny because we always write I'm sure like most spouses do little things on you know and leave it on the counter a little note but we save them so similarly he has them hoarded in a drawer and I have them just stacked up on my desk and I just took a pretty box that we had and I put them all in there just to keep them all right. so we kind of had something similar unbeknownst to the concept so that's a wonderful idea idea. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, um, leave, um, training solutions international out of this. So whenever you'd like just to share a little bit about that as well, please sure. do. So that training solutions has been, and is all about training. And so now there's a meld between the two because training solutions does leadership and life balancing and love training. And so now the last two years we have been, really wanting to spread love far and wide. And so we started the Love Box Foundation so that we can partner with other organizations and really magnify the efforts. And so the blend with Training Solutions is that the company actually owns all the trademark for it, and then it can license it to whomever. Okay, so organizations can decide how they want to use it, but it always has to keep the beauty and the quality of the product that I've created. And so was uh, Training Solutions born and bred after the Love Box? No, Training you know? Solutions has been around for 20, over 20 years. Yeah. So it came first. Yes. it's uh-huh. Yes. And I did a lot of corporate training in leadership and life balancing. And then 20 years ago is when I came out with my first book. I'm an author of five books. And my first book was actually The Momager Guide, which is Mom Manager. And the subtitle is, of that is Empowering Moms to Leave a Loving Legacy. So far before the Love Box even existed, you know, I was working for the last 20 years in, in how do we grow love in our families and in our communities. Mm. You said something that stood out to me, empowering others. Mm. And you can do that in a variety of ways. How do you empower others, Christine? Mm. I give them the guidance to have their power emerge. And so how I do that is, you know, I have such a beautiful team right now of love agents. Mm. And they all have their superpower, right? We use that word superpower all the time. So I let them let their superpower emerge and appreciate them for that and then help them grow into other areas that they, that perhaps I see that they have power, but they haven't seen their power yet. And so that's how I do it. That's really interesting because I myself have been in a position like that where a mentor or a parent or friend has seen something in me that I myself didn't see. Not that it didn't exist, just our eyes, you know, 
they, they're different when we look at each other or look at ourselves, excuse me. So talking about kind of tapping into um, one's divine purpose, how were you able to do that for yourself? Mm, what an excellent question. Thank you. You know, it has grown through the years. I remember when I was a young mom, when, you know, this first came out as concept. I mean, I remember thinking, oh, God, please just help us. <laughs> it was so simple. I would just get these little tiny prayers. In. And now, through the years, um, I spend so much time, at least an hour a day. I call it my power hour in the morning. And I spend it listening. I spend it reflecting. I spend it in the Word of God. And I believe God is given this calling to me. No one else had the love box. He gave it to me. Um, and it's my calling and my mission to grow it. And so that mission has grown the more I've invested in it and shared it with others. And then other people have caught the love box. The love bug. The love of the love. Yeah, the love bug. <laughs> um, and, and then it's, it's almost like this... Um, this loop, right? Like I felt like God gave it to me and I was going to create it. And then now all the love agents get it and love it. And then they feed it back to me. And I am the carrier of the torch of the love box. And now my role is to really continue to build the team stronger so that they can carry it forth mm -hmm. because there's only so much one person can do. And this is all about empowering others to take it and to run with it the way they want to, mm -hmm. um, keeping again the quality and the intention of what it is and the beauty of it. I'm really a strickler on the brand because um, it has to be beautiful and it has to be spiritual. Right. So I consider God as my, you know, um, partner. Of course. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder, we couldn't do yeah. it alone. No. <laughs> right. So what do you think the next chapter is for the Love Box? Expansion and growth. Um, we are in the process of growing tremendously, and it's beautiful to watch it grow. Um, so we have what we call the three E's affiliated with the Love Box. We really are looking to grow more for the next generation. So we're focusing on schools and children in schools and children um, who uh, want to be more loving. We're looking to create the next generation of love agents. And so um, how we do that is I call it the three E's. We do it with education. So now we have curriculum for schools in what is love, how do you express your love, how do you tap into your emotions and your feelings, um, and become loving. Um, so education is a big part of our growth. Then the other thing is experiences, doing the love boxes in classrooms, in families, and expanding that. And then the uh, third E is events. So we march in parades promoting love. We have the Love Box Awards highlighting other people that are doing loving things in communities. So we're really just looking to continue to raise the presence of love in our culture and helping people create this legacy of love in their lives. I have no doubt that you will continue to do that. It is a sensation. We've got the power. <laughs> We've got the power. <laughs> Doing things that you love uh, within the community brings me to our next point about community and service and supporting and lifting others. You and I were speaking a couple of days ago and we both uh, agreed that we rise by lifting others. Mm. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with the iron sharpens iron adage. Um, so talk a little bit about those. Mm. You know, from very early days, I always had the phrase lift as you rise. So... 
I've lived my life by that mantra. So as I am rising, I always want to lift other people up, you know, and collaborate. You know, I think as a woman and my feminine power, I'm very nurturing and I'm very collaborative. And my first job was at Merrill Lynch. I mean, we all had to wear blue suits and have our hair cut short. And I mean, I looked just like a man. I was one of very few women at Merrill Lynch at the time. And I used to wear a fuchsia tie and turned it into a rosette. I remember that was my big radical move Uh to be a powerhouse woman at the time. (laughs) But you know, I think that now our voices as women are heard in such a beautiful, unique way. And so I really am all about lifting up men and women. I mean, men and women, um, Women seem to be a lot more comfortable with talking about love, growing love, having that be a movement. Um, But we have a lot of strong men, too. Absolutely. Well, that brings to my next point, and that's leadership. And you said three things earlier, and I think that's something that we all desire is to be seen, heard, and valued. So kind of paralleling that to leadership, what are some qualities that make up a good leader to you? Hmm. Great question. You know, I believe leaders have to cast a vision. You know, we have to see into the future or see something that does not exist yet. And I've always been able to look at things, see the problems, and then say, what would fix this? Very simply. You know, I think necessity is the mother of invention is an adage that we've heard so much. And as a mother, there were so many problems, so many issues. And I always found a creative way to to solve those problems. So I think especially with AI and everything that's going on with, you know, a lot of jobs can be replaced now, but what will never be replaced is creativity. Never. I would say that strongly because the human heart with the human mind creating new things in the world is a boundless energy and we can tap into that. So I would say, you know, leadership, having vision Um, I created what's called the victory leadership skills, which I've done a lot of training on. V is visionary, visioning. I is influential communication. C is changing and being open to change, being the forefront of change. T, team building. O, organizing and balancing your life. Because I think that if you're, you have got to continually focus on balancing and coming back to your truth and your center. R is resolving conflict and problems. And Y is you. What is the uniqueness and the beauty and the value and the magnificence of you? And I think when we can bring these victory leadership skills to our life and, and have those traits and grow in those traits, I mean, we are very influential. Yeah, I'm going to keep, keep going because you keep giving new things every time you, you say something. So uniqueness. I, I would consider myself a unique individual. You just self-claimed yourself as unique. Tell me what sets you apart from the others, Christine? Hmm. What a great or what question. what makes you unique? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I didn't claim my creativity until I was 40. You know, I think that before that, there were a lot of societal pressures on who I was as a woman. And especially being born when I was, it was a lot of male, you know, male influence. Good and um, stifling. So I will say what makes me unique is that I have an endless capacity to see things that are not there and to love in my own unique way. Mm -hmm. So I I remember when I was doing speaking on a very large level for a lot of large companies, um, I had this one mentor and she she said to me, there are only two types of people, the people who who love Christine or should love Christine. And I thought, that is so (laughs) 
Are you kidding me? Like, that's so far out. That was before the love box. But, you know, when I kind of claimed that and loved all of who I was, my mind, my body, my spirit, my social abilities, I looked at myself almost like an outsider and said, what is unique about you? And I would say creativity, spirituality, um, and spirituality is a function of that visionary. I just think God had created an infinite universe. There is no boundaries to this. And there's an infinite eternity. And so, you know, I am really grateful I can cr- connect to that creativity and create things that never were. Um, so I would say those are probably my unique things. Hmm. I love that. Christine, we're going to take a brief um, commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what you might have told your 30-year-old self. All right. NEMA is a full-service logistics company that provides trucking, warehousing, and expedited deliveries for the paper machine clothing industry. They offer a full line of services, including delivery within the 48 contiguous states, Canada and Mexico, plus importing and exporting, air freight forwarding services, foreign trade zone warehousing, and many more services to handle your global logistics needs. NEMA is a proud sponsor of the Celebrating Powerhouse Women podcast series. We know running a business is hard. There are so many things that need to get done and you don't have the time, the resources, the experience, or you just don't want to do it yourself. At Sourced, we have your back. Office. We support leaders of companies with all their back office challenges that weigh them down. Whether it's accounting, talent acquisition, administrative support, marketing, or human resources, our team of experts at Sourced will make your life easy and your back office effortless. To see how we can help you, check us out at GetSourced.com. All right, and welcome back, folks, to uh, Celebrating Powerhouse Women. I am your host, Amanda Pierce Marmalejo, and we are in studio today with Christine Martinello. And before the break, she was sharing all of her lovely experience with us. And I kind of gave you a, a brief um, peek as to what we'd be talking about next. And my question to you, Christine, and I know you've done a lot of homework about this, is if you could tell your 30-year-old self anything, and guys, she's only 45, so it wasn't too <laughs> long ago. If you could tell your 30 30-year-old self anything, what would it be, Christine? All right. Well, I would say be true to you and have fun too. And I actually wrote a love note that I want to read to women who are some 30-somethings because I think at that time I had so many questions. I had so much fear, like, am I going to get married? Am I going to um, be a good mom someday? Like all my dreams and hopes, I had a lot of them, but I didn't know how they were going to come to fruition. Now at this point, I get to look back and go, wow, this ride was bigger than I ever thought it would be, (laughs) you know? And so I will read this love note and it's dear 30 something, be true to you and have fun too. Hold on. Life is going to be a grand adventure. You and God are going to do far more than you can even imagine. Slow down, savor it, and enjoy your life. All your dreams will come true Ask the questions and find creative solutions to live and love lavishly. You've got this. Keep on loving and believe in you. Christine. You wrote that to yourself? I wrote this to his 30-somethings. To whoever's out there listening. When, oh, you so you just wrote it. Yes, okay. I wrote it, but I was put myself in, in the back shoes. in. Yes, and I actually have kept a journal since I was 15. So, and I have a child that's going to be turning 30. My oldest son is going to be turning 30. So this was very wow. easy for me to see. And 
That's yeah. so beautiful. I thought that some by some rare chance you had written yourself your 30-year-old self, 11, and that you whipped it out of the box to read today. That is amazing. So she wrote that, listener, she wrote that to anybody out there in their 30s um, as some practical advice. Thank you for doing that. That's so sweet. So kind of going back, because I was just so enamored with that you had a note for it, what was the takeaway? Let's see here. Be true to you and have fun too. And that kind of rhymes. Get out of here. Be true to you and have fun too. Um, 40s, rapidly knocking on my door. And Mm. I would have to say, I can absolutely empathize with that statement. And I agree. Cause I'd say that's the the large portion that I left out. I took myself and trying to find foundation within my career so seriously that it almost made me like a nervous wreck, like wound so tightly. So having fun, enjoying the journey is something that people often don't do, but it is so important. It It is is so so important. important. You know, I, I think about it. It's like, I remembered um, one of my mentors told me, you know, life is for a limited time only. And it was right when I had my first child. I was living in London at the time. When I was 30, I lived in London, England, and couldn't work because they didn't have my career there. And I was a, quote, trailing spouse. You know, I went with my husband. And I just thought, who am I now? What am I going to be? What am I going to do? And again, I had to create something out of, you know, nothing. Like, Thin air. <laughs> Thin air. Like, what are you going to do next? And and I kept recreating, and I have recreated myself. And it's a beautiful thing, but it's very scary. When you have your whole life ahead of you, you know what your few strengths are, but you just wonder how it's going to play out. You know, and, um, and that one mentor, her name's Glenna, and she had her doctorate in divinity at the time, and I so admired her. I was like, wow, she's like the spiritual guru. And, um, and I remember when I was living in London, she sent me a postcard, And all it said was, motherhood is for a limited time only. Enjoy Enjoy it. Enjoy it, yeah. And now as your son is going to be turning 30, you can absolutely. Yeah. And I have had so much fun in this journey. And I've had fun with my family. I've had fun every, every age and stage. And now that I'm at this age of, you know, being middle-aged, actually, I get to go back to entertaining some of the, I'm calling it my trauma tour lately, like some of the real traumas and things I had to overcome in my childhood and youth, because now it's safe to do it, Mm. whereas it wasn't safe to do it before. Mm. So now even I'm learning to grow and love all of me, even the really dark shadow sides that I have been very good about, you know, um, letting, uh, I, for my own safety, I put them away. But now I realize, actually, what I've learned from those traumatic experiences have really strengthened my core and made me, um, I wouldn't say I'm fearless, but I feel the fear and do it ever anyway. Mm-hmm. So that came from a young age of having traumatic experiencing experiences and having a lot of fear and saying, okay, I, I have fear and I have to keep moving forward. So... Yeah. Do you mind if I ask how you find the power to do so? Um, I know you got to dig deep, but I personally don't yeah. have very much luck bearing that down. I have, I guess we'll call it a war chest of them. They're locked up. They're just like not going to get out. You said something <laughs> that you revisited them when it's safe to do so. First question, how do you know when it's safe to do so? Because it might have been parked for a while. Right. It's locked up. And then how do you begin to open that chest? Right. Excellent questions. You know, I, I have been blessed with an amazing husband. My husband, Bob, we've been married 31 years, and he has been my biggest 
um, supporter, champion, cheerleader. I mean, he is always behind me like, you can do it, you can do it. Um, I did not have that for the first, you know, um, few decades of my life. I had a lot of other voices and people pushing me down um, and telling me, I remember telling me, you know, just don't think so highly of yourself and, you know, don't let your light, you know, just, just slow down, just push, you know, be smaller. And I, I couldn't be anything from that now, right? <laughs> but I think to revisit the deep traumas, you do have to feel a sense of emotional safety. When we did this love box a couple years ago with seventh graders, you know, I thought, okay, the school told me if this can work in seventh grader, with seventh graders, they're so unsure of themselves, it'll work with everybody. And, wh- and when I listened to the feedback after that, I kept hearing it created emotional safety in our classroom. It created stronger mental health. It created these children being seen, heard, understood. I just sat there kind of blown away because I didn't realize that all of this body of work was helping me to heal through decades, helping create a new legacy of love in my children's lives so that they never had to feel that trauma and that uncertainty about who they were. So I think you have to have enough emotional safety where other people are coming alongside you who love you, believe in you just how you are. They're not trying to change you. And they can bear witness to the ugly. I don't know what else, how else Mm -hmm. to say it. They have to bear witness and walk with you. And my husband has walked with me through some really dark times and some lavishly (laughs) beautiful. I mean, we have had the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. Mm -hmm. And then I will also say that noticing where the triggers lie and then journaling, you can do it almost like small, where the trigger lies. Like I have a little... um, thing about clean windows like my windows are immaculate in my house you can because I want to see I want to see everything I want things to be clear mm-hmm. and I grew up in a trailer in Florida where I went and revisited in during my trauma tour and when I visited this trailer park what I noticed is that all the blinds were shut all the outside cases were over the windows your neighbor was probably eight feet from you and you were trying people were trying to protect themselves in their little trailer and I then that how that manifested Mm -hmm. is that I want to see I want a clear view Mm -hmm. I don't want anything getting in my way and so there were little things through the years that my husband asked me what's up with you and the clean windows all the time like let it go it doesn't matter but it did to me and so why was that the other thing was laundry um I my husband and I I said I'm not ever going to do your laundry you do your laundry, I do my, I, you know, it was just a power thing. And then when I went to part of my trauma tour, visiting childhood experiences, I realized I had to work in South Florida when it was super hot in the summertime in a laundromat as wow. a child. Wow. And so when you're doing laundry for other people, hours on end as a child, and it's hot and you're miserable, guess who doesn't want to do laundry? Yeah. Well, then for my own children, though, we had laundry games. And I, I turned laundry into fun and games. And we used to throw the laundry and, you know, put them on our head and run around the house with laundry. So I think what you, what rubs you is an opportunity to grow in. Hmm. What makes you angry, like a trigger, or what breaks your heart. And whatever breaks your heart is actually an opportunity to grow. Hmm. That was wonderful. Thank you. You see me ferociously taking notes over here. <laughs> 
Kind of water bugging to something different, but still along the same lines of family. I'd love for you to share our list with our listeners a little bit about you growing up because you grew up, uh, your father was a general contractor, right? Yes. So you are a woman in construction <laughs> by proxy. And yes. I know that you actually were pretty hands-on at one point in time in your life. So take us through that time. Sure. Yes. My dad was an immigrant from Italy. He never got past the third grade in Italy when World War II broke out. Then he emigrated to America. So we were the children of immigrants, and he worked so hard in construction. And um, he had a company, Friendly Construction Company, and he was a friendly guy. And I learned so much about being an entrepreneur from him. Um, we worked really hard. I started being on a construction site from the time I was eight years old. So it was just pick up these few bricks, Christine, and bring them over to me. Or, you know, get the sand. Or, you know, like, so that's how it started. And everyone in our family, there were four girls and one guy. And we all worked with my dad because um, it was a family business. <laughs> And then what happened was when I was in, uh, my dad continued to grow and buy land and build. And so when my family was in late high school and college, we all worked together to build a development, a condo, a beautiful townhouse development in Connecticut. So my dad took land that was just acres of land and turned it into this beautiful park-like setting with beautiful, high-quality townhouses when it was not a thing. Mm -hmm. And he made sure there was enough nature for people to breathe mm -hmm. um, and beauty. And I remember um, thinking I didn't want to work every Saturday morning at 6 a.m., but at this point, I can, you know, I know how to build a house. <laughs> literally. <laughs> From the foundation up. Yeah. And my sisters and I, we literally dug trenches for the foundation to help my dad. We helped lay this you know, cement on the foundation, put the walls up with the wood, did the trusses at the top, put the siding on it. We did everything except for electrical and plumbing. <laughs> so, yeah. And operating heavy machinery because you <laughs> right. couldn't reach the pedals. That's the only reason right. why you right. worked. Right, right. Well, my dad, he used to, he used to in, the, in the summer, my kids used to go to Connecticut to visit my parents and they used to call it construction camp because my dad would put them on their lap for the big you know, backhoe, yeah. and he taught them how to use it. And yeah, it's, we, we have a strong construction background. And so I think as a woman, I learned that you could work hard physically. I mean, it was hard work mm -hmm. physically, but it was also visionary. And I was the one who'd always have the camera in my pocket. It was before cell phones, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I would take all the pictures, you know, of these are the girls working in construction. Mm -hmm. These are my sisters, you know, cutting the siding. And so it brings me great joy now to know that that foundation of uh, building helped me to be able to build the companies that I've built. And my dad also did something that I loved. Every Christmas time, he used to bring people gifts. Mm -hmm. He'd bring them the chocolates. He was a real friendly kind of guy. But mm -hmm. life was difficult. I mean, there was a lot of hard times. We all had to pitch in and work hard together. Um, but he created something beautiful with his life and his legacy. And um, he lived with me the last year and three months of his life. Both of my parents did. Mm -hmm. And we got to revisit his life story oh. and how he built um, his legacy of love. Mm -hmm. And um, and he was one of the people who told me, I said, Dad, give me one piece of advice going in the future. And he said, love everybody and love everything. And I was like, I am and I will. So when he told me that and then my son was leaving and he had all the love notes, it came together. Mm. That's so sweet. I love the name. Just so, just so um, it's plain and simple, friendly. He was a friendly guy. And hey, it's ear catching too. Right. 
When you were experiencing all this, um, you know, you were kind of being set up for success and entrepreneurship, unbeknownst to you at age eight, because we didn't even know what that word was at the time. Aside from what you just shared sentimentally, what is a takeaway that you could say still resonates with you from the time that you worked alongside your father? Hmm. That's a great question. You're asking excellent questions, Amanda. <laughs> um, I, I would say that I took away that you can dream and you can vision and you can work hard and make those dreams a reality. And you can bring other people alongside with you. I mean, my dad never would have been able to do it except for us working with him. Plus, one of the most beautiful things was that my dad, he brought so many other immigrants with him as well. I mean, our job site, it was hilarious. Everybody's listening to Italian music, Spanish music, <laughs> Polish music. <laughs> It's just because he was all about lifting everybody up. Mm -hmm. And so I, probably that lift as you rise also came from my dad. The apple doesn't fall far from the mm. tree. Yeah. Well, being a mother yourself, and you're so kind to read um, the love box note to the 30-somethings, but now your kids aren't here. Maybe they'll be listening. But if you were to give them a solid piece of advice as a friend or as a mother, what would that be to your own children? Mm. I would say, you know, again, to be true to you and have fun too, and not to let anybody dim your light. You know, I think that there's so much going on in the world now with fear and uncertainty. And when you step to a higher level, you put yourself out there for more criticism and you put yourself out there for more praise and more and more criticism. And so I would say really believe in who you are, trust that God has the plan, and go for it. And really like live an extraordinary life because life goes by fast. And everyone always says that, but now I have three 20 somethings, mm -hmm. you know, and I was a mom of a new baby yesterday, uh -huh. like in my mind. Um, and I would say, to savor each season of life. You know, the 20-somethings has something very unique to bring to you. You're questioning, you're wondering. 30-somethings, you're gathering experiences, you are growing, you are exploring relationships. 40s, you're Starting either raising your family <laughs> or you're growing your career to another. 50s, you know, you're starting to look back and then look to the future. And you're carrying, you know, you're being a sandwich I, generation. I call it panini generation because I'm Italian. <laughs> so it's like you're smacked in the middle. Panini. <laughs> See how creative I am? I'm always like, it's, it's the panini. There's a lot of heat on both sides here. Um, so take each, and now I'm looking forward to the 60s and the 70s. And one of the exercises that I've given to each of my children is to... Take each decade of your life and just see what is like one to three things you want your life to look like at that stage. Huh. Yeah. So, and I've done it now. I'm going to be a killer 100-year-old, hopefully. And so um, I've done that. And it really helps you to look into the future because especially when we're just living life and there's so much coming at us all the time, it's easy to get stuck in the day or the moment. And it's good to savor the moments. Um, and then it's good to look ahead because we're all always going to go ahead. Even at the end of our life, we're going to be in eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so there's always the best is yet to come. It really is. Um, being that you're a seasoned businesswoman and a successful entrepreneur and a company owner and, you know, just lots of experience, 
um, throughout those years, I'm sure that you experienced some tribulations and some trials and some challenges. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of one and how you were able to overcome it, please? Sure. Um, I would say intellectual property has been a big challenge. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Um, You know, I created the momager that got lifted. Um, I won't say by who, you could just Google it. And um, and that was a great heartache. Like they trademarked that. I own trademark for momager, mom manager, and all that. And it was I owned multiple categories of trademark. But what I've learned is that there's a lot of categories of trademark. So I didn't buy every category. Um, and so I had education and media and a couple other categories. Well, this other person had a lot more money and a lot more clout than I do. And so we went through a process of trying to get that back and. I couldn't. Mm. And so that strengthened me to protect Lovebox. Mm. Well, last year, <laughs> Google Lovebox. Uh, you will find a lot of love boxes. And mm. so to protect the intellectual property has been um, difficult because I come from a position, I mean, one of my values is you don't steal, right? Like it's pretty straightforward to me. Um, and yet when you come up with something that's unique, it gets lifted. And it's very painful for the creator and the artists and all the people that create something because you're trying to do something unique and then, you know, it's just a matter of time before everybody jumps on the bandwagon and then it dilutes the brand mm. and, and it dilutes your messaging. And so it's, it's painful. And I think Taylor Swift, you know, how she just came on strong, like, okay, you're going to steal that piece. But you're not stealing this piece because mm-hmm. now I'm re-recording. Mm-hmm. And so I think as an entrepreneur, it has been very painful and costly um, to protect the brands and to grow the brand the way I think it needs to be grown. Because love, people can do a lot of things with love. Mm-hmm. It's a big topic. Um, and so I want people to know we're talking about really loving yourself, loving your neighbor. And it's about true divine love. Um, So how are you able to overcome this challenge with the intellectual property and set yourself up for success moving forward? That would be attorneys. And that would be having a husband that has a much thicker skin than I do. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, honey, I mean, I will be, I'm the creator and I'm, I have a tough skin for me, but I'm the creator. And I mean, I have cried more tears over people stealing and changing and, and bashing the brands. I'm like, we're all about love. How Mm. could, but you're all about love. So what's the counterpoint? It's going to be hate. Mm. So we get our fair share of hate. But do not repay evil with evil. Exactly. So we take the high road. We take the loving road. And I often ask the question of myself and the team, what's the next right and loving thing to do? Mm. And that's what we do. And I had one attorney, at one point I had three attorneys, and one attorney, he was out of Texas, and I'll never forget, he said, if you go into the pen with the pig, you're going to come out dirty. I, had to, I was getting a visual there. <laughs> yeah, you are. And you're probably going to have some, some poo on your shoe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not doing that. So I've chosen to take the high road and, and to handle it, you know, with um, legally, which is how it needs to be handled. I always hope that I can just work with people and collaborate and we just lift higher Mm -hmm. because someone else represents love. I'm like, let's just work together. Let's do this. But not everyone else is so collaborative. 
Speaking of collaboration and building something successful, it, it isn't a solo mission. Um, you know, it, we have our teams. Um, is there anybody you'd like to give a shout out to oh, so on your team people. while you're here? All my love agents. I mean, I would love to give a shout out. Cheryl Chapel, Tiffany Kreinbrink, um, Cindy Levi. You all know who you are. Um, and I want to shout out to my husband, Bob, because without him, none of this would exist nor grow. Um, and he battled in 2018 stage four cancer. Um, and we went through that journey together and people sent a tsunami of love notes and love and affection for both of us. And so um, I want to shout out to Bob and each of my children, David, Tina, and Stephen, because you learn unconditional love through everyone, the trials and the triumphs, right? Absolutely. Thank you, Christine, for sharing all of your, your wisdom and your success. And this has been extremely fun. I have, um, I told you that our time would pass very quickly and it is about that time. Uh, before we depart, I want to remind our listeners that you can listen to this show every Friday morning at 1130 on businessradiox.com, or you can subscribe to this series wherever you find your podcasts. I listen on iTunes. Where do you listen, Christine? I listen on iTunes. Yeah. Spotify, mm -hmm. Stitcher, wherever you can find it. We'd love for you to subscribe. And also if you find value in this series, I would love for you to give us a star review. Um, before we depart, Christine, I would love to give you the chance to share some final thoughts with our audience. Sure. This is a love note and it's dear powerhouse woman, be true to you and have fun too. You are a masterpiece. You carry the fire of love within you. You have been created for this time and this place. Savor it, enjoy it, rest in it, love all of life. Life is for a limited time only. Each day, do what lights you up and shares your love with others. Then you'll leave a legacy of love. Express yourself because your voice needs to be heard. You may feel afraid and remember that perfect love casts out fear. The world needs the love that only you can share. Keep on loving, sister. You've got this and you've got the power. We've got the power. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. And to all of our powerhouse listeners and to all of our other listeners as well, we thank you for joining us on this series that salutes and recognizes women leaders making an impact. Until next time, I am your host, Amanda Pierce Marmalejo, and we'll catch you next Friday on Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X. Mm -hmm.